Manna or Meatloaf, episode 64, Sing a Song. Hello, hello. Oh my gosh, I had a smile on my face the entire time I was putting this week's episode together. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I have enjoyed putting it together for you. When our oldest daughter was attending BYU-Idaho, they were conducting a research study on the power of music. When our oldest daughter was attending BYU-Idaho, they were conducting a research study on the power of music. Now, I know I don't have all the details right, and I couldn't find it, so it may have even just been in a class, but it was so incredibly interesting to me that I haven't forgotten it, and it made a big impact on her, too. So they had three plants in a very controlled environment. They were planted on the very same day, the exact same time. In fact, they each had spaces that measured the exact same. They had the same amount of light from the same windows, on and on and on. Each plant also had music that played 24-7. And the only variable in this study was that each plant was exposed to a different kind of music. So the first plant was exposed to hard rock. The second plant to today's top hits intermingled with some other genres. And the third plant got to listen to hymns and songs of praise and worship. Well, within a very early amount of time, you could see that that first plant, the one subjected to hard rock, was not faring well. And by the time designated to complete the study, that first plant was black and almost completely dead. The second plant was doing okay. It was holding its own. It certainly didn't look like the first one, but it didn't grow at all. While the third plant, the one that was exposed to hymns, was double in size and was beginning to bloom. So what does that tell us about the frequency of music that we are exposing ourselves to? I've always told my kids and people that I've zoned that if they wake up on the wrong side of the bed or they have a particularly difficult challenge or just plain need an attitude adjustment and they can't manage to change their own frequencies, there are two secrets that can help immensely. The best thing to do is to change the frequency immediately surrounding yourself so that higher frequency can have influence and help you to change your own frequency, therefore helping you to elevate your mood. The first is to turn on music with a high frequency. The study done at BYU-Idaho certainly validates the point that hymns of praise have one of the highest frequencies of any type of music. Try this little experiment and you'll see for yourself that you'll be feeling a lot better in no time. The second is essential oils. Essential oils can change frequencies, point blank. Did you hear that? People, it's a scientific fact. Not only can the frequency of oils be measured, but they can also change the frequencies of things they come in contact with. So put lavender or your favorite citrus blend, rose or anything else that elevates in a diffuser that circulates directly on or around you, like when you're at the computer, for example, or put them directly on your skin. That's even better. Under the nose, behind your ears, and on your pulse points. There's a fabulous webpage for those new to the basics of frequencies and essential oils, and I'll link it in my show notes at www.manaormeatloaf.buzzsprout.com. So that last little bit of information was totally thrown in as a bonus because today I really want to talk to you about the power of music. Don't you love music? Oh my gosh, I do too. Johnny Depp once said, quote, music touches us emotionally where words alone can't, end quote. 
There are countless studies done on the deep connection we as human beings have to music. Barbara Elsie, Senior Advisor of Policy and Research at the American Music Therapy Association, told Medical News Today, quote, The elements of music, rhythm, melody, etc., are echoed in our physiology, functioning, and being. End quote. There was also a study done in 2011 by researchers from McGill University in Canada, and they found that listening to music increases the amount of dopamine produced in the brain. Isn't that fascinating? Dopamine, as we know, is a mood-enhancing chemical, making it a feasible treatment for depression, anxiety, and other mental health disorders. But the power of music is also being researched a lot lately for its potential to improve or even replace some current medical treatments. Now, you may think that sounds crazy, But Google it. Do some research you'll find for yourself. This is an emerging science, and many universities are now offering music therapy as part of their curriculums. Our nephew is actually getting his degree in that very field starting this fall. The hospice company I worked for used music therapy with our terminally ill patients as a way to lessen stress, therefore lessening pain. Now, you may think that's a stretch, like I said, but another study led by Brunel University in the UK suggested music may reduce pain and anxiety for patients who have undergone surgery. Quote, by analyzing 72 randomized controlled trials involving more than 7,000 patients who received surgery, Researchers found that those who were played music after their procedure reported feeling less pain and anxiety than those who did not listen to music, and they were also less likely to need pain medication, end quote. My research on this topic revealed at least a dozen other clinical studies done on the effect music has on the neural receptors that allow us to feel and process pain. Isn't that amazing? Music is literally so powerful. Another link I'll share in my show notes is found on the Tabernacle Choir blog, and it's titled The Powerful Effect of Music on the Brain. I'd love to go into it, but it's literally so fascinating and so extensive. I simply couldn't cover it, so I'll just make reference to it, but it's absolutely amazing. (laughs) Okay, I have loved music since I was a little girl, and my parents had a lot to do with that. My mom was the beautifully pitched alto that harmonized perfectly through every hymn in church. My dad was the lead singer and guitar player for a real live boy band. People, it's true. (laughs) They were called the Layman, and it was during his college years. Besides being incredibly talented, he still has a beautiful singing voice. He was a handsome devil to boot. Uh, Still kind of has that going for him, too. Wink, wink. Love you, Dad. They played a lot of gigs at BYU in the day, and if you think my mom had a chance when he wooed her, she did not. (laughs) They were married, and me and my brothers and sisters eventually became his groupies. One of my fondest childhood memories was literally sitting at the foot of my dad as he played his guitar and taught us silly songs about Lil Willie and serenaded us with Ghost Rider in the Sky and many others. I would watch his fingers dance across those strings, sometimes so fast it could make you dizzy. My Uncle Kent was also great at leading our extended family at Susanna's a Funny Old Man, complete with all the knee-slapping and whistling that made all of us cousins hoot and holler and want to join in. Doug's mother is the most incredible pianist 
ever. She started playing in Canada when she was eight years old. And in less than a month now, she'll be 89 and still teaches piano lessons. She can embellish like a boss, has been a soloist for many concerts over the years. And the only difference between her and a legit concert pianist is that they make a living doing it. And she does it mostly as a service just for the joy of it. It was important to her that each of her children have music in their homes when they got married. So as a result, we all have pianos. Ours is a beautiful Baldwin upright that I wish I played more than I plunked. (laughs) I tried desperately to make our children continue their lessons, but sadly, we don't have any accomplished pianists in our family. But every single time I walk past it, I think of her love for music and for her family. I love to sing, but I'm more of the comedic shower singing type as clearly evidenced by my occasional podcast episode attempts. (laughs) Our son, Drake, used to sing all the time. I always knew the state of his heart by the songs he was singing. I miss hearing him sing. He actually proposed to his sweetheart, Heather, by writing her a song and playing it while he was on his guitar on a beach at Lake Powell, on a bed of roses. So romantic. The power of music can free our souls and help our hearts take flight. Plato said, quote, Music is a moral law. It gives soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and charm and gaiety to life and to everything. End quote. I love that. Beautiful. And the Lord said, My soul delighteth in the song of the heart. Yea, the song of the righteous is a prayer unto me, and it shall be answered with a blessing upon their heads. That's found in DNC 2512. So if you've never really sung the hymns at church, it may be time to change. And one of the best resources I found on why our singing is considered worship is a talk titled The Power and Protection of Worthy Music by then Elder Russell M. Nelson, our current prophet. And it was from a devotional at BYU, May 4th, 2008. I highly recommend you read or listen to it in its entirety. We have many musically gifted people in our ward, and a few years ago they started doing one sacrament meeting a year, where after the sacrament, the time was turned over to the congregation. Anyone who wanted to was invited to come to the pulpit, ready to share the name and page number of their favorite hymn, and then they needed to expound on why it was so meaningful to them. Then all the members would join their voices in singing that song before they'd go on to the next person. Usually, there are about three times the amount of people who would normally share their testimonies on a fast Sunday, but that's what I hear. Person after person are testimonies sung with the power of faith and sent heavenward in honor and praise. I love those sacrament meetings. They are by far my favorite meetings. Wouldn't it be fun to do something like that for a family home evening or family reunion? I just love a scripture found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, and I feel like it's beckoning me to have a well of good music in my heart to turn to when I need it. It says, speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. 
giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, reread that like I had to. Can you imagine if we spoke to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual song? We'd probably like ourselves a lot more, right? Making melody in our hearts. Oh, that is so beautiful. And again, a way to worship and honor our God. That's one of the reasons I memorized How Great Thou Art, and I am brought to tears when I marvel at the beauty of the earth or hold a new grandbaby. I always think of those words. Do you have any hymns memorized like an old friend that can comfort, strengthen, or give praise to God? Maybe it's time to memorize a few so that we'll have those at the ready. So as I wrap up yet another week, I want you to remember that music doesn't have to just be a pleasantry in the background. We can access the power of music by intentionally choosing good music. The joy of sharing music with our families can connect and create traditions that last throughout the generations. My mom grew up in Oregon, for example, and in elementary school, they had to learn all the names of the native Indian tribes. Her and her sister, my Aunt Judy, taught me and my cousins both verses. And let me assure you, it was no easy task. I kind of want to sing it. Okay, I'll spare you. Now our oldest granddaughter, Lainey, who's only eight, can sing the whole first verse. And her little sister, Avery, has got the first part down. It was so fun to teach them. And now we get to sing it together. While I was contemplating the content for this episode, I thought of a favorite song from way back in the annals of my life. The first time I heard it was from my parents' record player in the basement of our home when I was a very young girl. And I love the words and the catchy tune. Watch the YouTube video of the phenomenally talented Karen Carpenter sing it in 1973. I hope it leaves you with a desire to sing. After all, it's so good for the soul. Sing, sing a song. I can't sing it like Karen. Make it simple to last your whole life long. Don't worry if it's not good enough for anyone else to hear. That's me. Just sing. (laughs) Sing a song. La 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 and have a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious week. 